than what more power than what he actually has. So for the world, if you guys want to turn to first or sorry, second Corinthians 10, um, you guys can read along with me. Second uh, Corinthians 10 verses three through six on that section there. Okay, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So there's our battle against the world. It also mentions this briefly in Jude. Thank you, Micah, for bringing this up last week. I, I thought of this. I thought of you when I pulled this verse out. It says that we are, um, he wanted to write to them concerning their salvation, the common salvation they had, but he found it necessary to write to them, exhorting them to contend earnestly for the faith once it was delivered to the saints. So we're contending, and he said that word is like wrestling against our enemies. And then um, also, why don't we turn to, oh, I didn't get that. We'll get to 1 John later. So uh, you can get to First uh, Peter. We'll talk about the flesh. If you guys want to follow along. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And then the famous passage in Galatians is um, this, I say to you, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And then you guys uh, know this passage in Ephesians, our enemy and the devil, uh, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the power of the Lord and his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So there's our three enemies. We'll learn how to have victory over these three enemies um, and what it means to, to live in victory. So first, how to have victory. We look at Joshua's key to success. It's found in Joshua 1.8. Uh, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make good your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then in Hebrews 11.30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So the two things that Joshua did, I would say, is Joshua had faith, and Joshua was obedient to what God told him to do. Um, You'll also learn the key to Joshua's success is that Joshua really wasn't fighting the battle um, in Jericho. 
the day before or the night before Jericho, he encounters Jesus Christ, um, and he's the commander of the Lord's hosts. And uh, Joshua asks him if he's for their enemies or if he's for us, and he says, no, but I'm a commander of the Lord's army. And uh, Joshua falls down and worships him. So we need to know that it's not our battle that we're fighting. It's the battle of the Lord. It belongs to him. And what he requires from us is faith and obedience. So we'll look at Joshua, just a brief timeline. We have to realize that Joshua's, uh, Joshua's um, conquest didn't really start at the crossing of Jordan. Uh, far before Joshua's moment as the commander of Israel, God was working in, in Joshua. He was born into slavery. We find him fighting his enemies um, or fighting Israel's enemies in Exodus 17. And then he's with Moses at Mount Sinai. He's Moses' right-hand man. Wherever Moses goes, he's there. He's a servant of Moses. Um, he spies out the, the land. He's, only, he's one of only two that give a positive report on the land. And he does that under threat of death. They were about to stone everybody else, and he stands his ground. He says, with God, we can take him. And then we learn that um, he's filled with the spirit of wisdom in Deuteronomy. So far before Joshua goes into battle, he was preparing. And I think that's important for all of us. We can't be preparing for battle when the battle's going on. The time to prepare is beforehand. So... Um, Let's look at 1 John. We'll be here for a little bit. So you guys can turn to 1 John 5. We'll look at how we have victory over the world. And actually, yeah, we'll, we'll do all five verses. I'll go until I stop hearing pages turn. Okay. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So some things we can pull out of this is when you are a child of God, keeping Christ's commandments are not burdensome. Um, and you might think that's kind of strange because... Being obedient isn't always easy sometimes, but that word is, um, it really means heavy or weighty. It's not grievous. Uh, we do it with joy because we love God. Um, we do it out, out of a motivation of love, I guess, not a, out of obligation. And we, it's also not burdensome because we have him who takes upon our yoke on his shoulder. So Christ is with us all along. Um, the Spirit energizes us. And then what I love about this passage is that faith and obedience are inseparable. We, uh, it says that we know that we love God, that we keep his commandments. And um, 
whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So another thing um, you should know, that's just an indicative verse there. Um, it says that if you are born of God, you will overcome the world. And another thing too, this isn't like an optional thing for Christians. This shouldn't be like a, a, um, something we should get around to later. This is something that we need to prioritize in our lives. If we are defeated Christians, if we are um, living under sin and bondage, if we have no victory over sin, we should be concerned. We should question whether we are a child of God because we cannot have victory over the world. And so um, this is not an optional choice for Christians. Being victorious is necessary. We need to overcome the world, um, and we can. That's what this verse says. We have victory through, through Christ. And so our power does not come through ourselves. And I'll, I'll read that passage to you guys in 1 John 4 just a, a chapter before, it says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He knows, or sorry, he who knows God hears us. He who does not know, or he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, we do not overcome the world by our own strength. We do it by God's strength. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Um, so let's go on to the, the next passage in 2 Timothy 3, verses 3 through 6. This one's a little, um, little harder. It says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So this is a little a tougher than what John says. John says that keeping his commandments is not burdensome. John says that, you know, we, if we abide in him, we will have fruit. But Paul says here, you have to endure hardship if you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So which one is it? Is it easy or is it hard? Um, and I would say it's both, right? I don't think the Bible contradicts itself. And if you ever experience real victory in your life, you'll come to find out that it is easy and hard at the same time. You realize that as you deny the flesh, that you're not doing it by your own power, and that when you have victory over sin in your life, you realize that you're not the one that's having victory over it, but you're also cooperating with Christ, and it's not easy. We all know that it's easier to give into the flesh. So this, is, this makes sense to us practically. We endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Um, what this also shows, so yeah, war is not pleasant. War is war. Um, they don't call it Christian vacation, or um, they call it Christian warfare for a reason, because it's difficult, um, and it's not easy. Uh, yeah, Matthew 7, Jesus says, um, the narrow path is difficult, and there are few who find it. Um, 
And so that's also true in um, 2 Timothy, what was it? 2 Timothy 3, 12, uh, which I didn't put in my notes here, I'm sorry. But this is consistent throughout the New Testament, as you guys know, and even personally. You guys know that um, saying no to the flesh and no to the sin in your lives and no to the world is difficult. So how, the other way that this is also uh, reassuring for us is that um, we have the assurance that God is with us wherever we go. Whatever battle we fight, that's the other way that it makes it easy. He doesn't call us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. He's going out in front of us to face the enemy. We go in behind. He doesn't lead from behind uh, like most military generals do, but he's with us in the trenches of life, the darkest times in life, the most difficult times. He's just as close there as he is um, anywhere else. And so we can know that in those hard times, those hardships, that Christ is still just as present there. So next, our victory over the flesh. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And I chose this, this image here because it's like you're, when you try fighting the flesh with the flesh, you're just hurting yourself. You're not going to win. It's like Spider-Man fighting Spider-Man on, on his own right there. So we, we need an outside source. We cannot fight flesh with flesh. We need the spirit of God. And um, there's no such thing as being a, a neutral person. You're either under the spirit or you're under the flesh. So the way that we have victory over the flesh is we live in the spirit. Uh, the way that we replace our love for sin and the, our love for our flesh is with a greater love, the, the love of God. We love God more than we love our sin and we love God uh, more than our flesh. So the other great victory that we have over the flesh is in Romans 8. And it's hard not to read the entire chapter of Romans 8. So I'll just read, um, you guys can read those verses. I'll read the eight verses. It starts with, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Um, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, the victory starts with the declaration of no condemnation. Our justification has been secured in Christ. That's been finished on the cross. Um, nothing we can do to change that. Nothing we can do to earn that. That's been completed by Christ. Um, and that's our present, or sorry, our past is secure 
just as much as our present is secure and our future is secure in Christ. So that's the beginning of this, our victory. And then the other thing that this shows us is that in order to have victory over the flesh, you have to set your mind on the spirit. If you're living in the flesh, your mind is going to be on the flesh. And really the warfare for Christians is in the mind. The battle for our mind is um, the key battleground for Satan. That's why it's crucial that we take every thought captive and bring it to the subjection of Christ. Um, We need to be dwelling on the things of the Spirit and filling our mind with the things of the Spirit, being renewed daily. Um, So the only freedom comes from Christ and his fulfilling of the law. That's clear. We could not fulfill the law on our own. Christ did it for us. Um, He took the law and um, he condemns sin with that. So our victory over sin is finished. Christ, Christ won that for us. We, all we have to do is live by faith and obedience to him and that we can have power over the flesh because of what Christ has done for us. Um, and then, I don't think I have, oh yeah, we, I have one more here. Colossians 3, 7, uh, sorry, 3, 5 through 7. Therefore put to death the members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you once walked when you lived in them. So uh, John Owen says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And we have to take this seriously. There's uh, no coddling of sin. You cannot uh, play around with sin. You have to kill it. Joshua took extreme measures to um, make sure that all of his enemies were killed. Um, he himself was the one that slayed the, the kings that came up against him. He took it seriously. When there was sin in the camp, he dealt with it. Um, we need to be just as extreme in our dealing with the flesh. We need to take extreme measures like Jesus says in Matthew, where it says if you're Um, eye causes you to sin, then you pluck it out. Or if your hand causes you to sin, then you cut it off also. So what do we need to cut off in our lives? Is it our phones? Is it the friends that we hang out with? Um, Or is it the habits that we have daily? Do we need to stop those? We need to take extreme measures or else it will be killing us. You cannot um, negotiate with sin and you cannot negotiate with the devil. Um, the other thing that Joshua had over, that was easier for Joshua, actually, believe it or not, than us, is once Joshua um, finished off his enemies, he was done with it. We fight our enemies every day, 24-7, right? And so this isn't a one-time thing. Uh, we need to be putting, it, putting to death our flesh daily, um, denying ourselves uh, so that we do not gratify the lust of the flesh. So next, um, oh, one more thing. In victory over the flesh, there's all these verses on, um, we're supposed to be advancing. We're not never supposed to be on the defense as Christians. We have the victory set in Christ. Um, we should not be scared as Christians. We can face um, the world. We can face the devil and the power of God, not our own strength. But there's one circumstance that I've found in warfare where it tells you um, the opposite. It tells you to retreat, actually. 
and it says uh, flee sexual immorality. And this is um, the one time that I can find, unless I'm wrong, where it said that it's basically a defensive um, uh, strategy. It kind of turns into guerrilla warfare at this point. It's um, we we do not um, try and stand against sexual immorality. We we're told to stand against the devil, uh, and we're not even told to overcome sexual immorality. We're told to flee sexual immorality. We have victory when we flee. Think of. Uh, Joseph, when Potiphar's wife tried seducing him, he ran away physically. Um, he did not try and reason with her. He didn't try and, you know, talk her out of it. He, he ran away from the situation. And we need to be just as vigilant um, and that, take that literally too. Run away when things come up that are sexually immoral. Um, get away from it as fast as you can. Do not stick around in it. Uh, it's been said that the strongest man in the Bible, Samson, he fell to sexual immorality, and the wisest man, Solomon, fell to sexual immorality, and then the man after God's own heart, David, he also fell into sexual immorality. So we cannot think that we can stand against this temptation. Um, you are no better than the best of men. The men, men at best, um, what's that quote? The best of men are men at best, right? Thanks, Dad. Um, so, do not try and stand against sexual immorality. Flee it immediately. Okay, the last one here. I think we should actually end up on pretty good time here. So, our victory over the devil. And you guys can, uh, you guys know this passage probably. You're familiar with it. Um, this is the armor of God. Uh, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So this fight against the devil, it requires a full set of armor. We cannot take our favorite pieces that we like to use or our strengths and not work on our weaknesses. We need the full armor to stand against the devil. Um, and honestly, there's only one devil. So we'll, most of our encounters, when we do encounter spiritual warfare, will be against um, his demons. So we can rest assured that most likely our, our, um, our enemy won't be Satan himself, but we can stand against him. We have the power in God. We do not need to be fearful of this. The other thing we cannot underestimate is the power of prayer. It says that we are supposed to be praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Don't underestimate the power of prayer in spiritual warfare. Like we said, this isn't a physical warfare like Joshua was in where he had to take up his sword and fight his enemies. We fight spiritual warfare with spiritual means. So our way of defending ourselves is through prayer. And then also James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
So submission to God, that's humility. It says in the passage right before that the reason that they have divisions in their um, congregation is because of pride, but God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. It says, therefore, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So it takes humility. We submit to God first. We cannot be trying to fight the devil without God, um, without on our own will. Um, we'll just get obliterated. Uh, but if we submit to God, he will flee from us. We can have that assurance in our lives. Um, this is so important. Okay. I, I do have one more. So then last one, how to be a defeated Christian. Um, and we'll look at the story of Joshua, or sorry, the sin of Achan in Joshua 7. So it isn't long before um, Joshua experiences his first loss as a commander. And so if you guys know the story, uh, when, when Israel went into Jericho, God told them not to take the treasures in there, that they were supposed to belong to the Lord, that, that it was just the first city that he did this. He said, all the gold and silver, the bronze and iron, that belongs to me. Don't take any of the other accursed things of there. Um, the other vessels, you are supposed to burn all of that, but the gold and silver, all of that, that belongs to me. It's consecrated to the Lord. Um, and there was one, one man who took something that belonged to the Lord. It was Achan, um, and he hid it in his tent. And it was, a, it was the, the next battle that they faced where they were defeated by Ai. And uh, it was because this sin that Achan had hidden from the rest of the camp. And Joshua was devastated. He went before the Lord. He cried out. He said, why, why do we have defeat here? We were supposed to, you know, we weren't supposed to lose against any of our enemies. You promised me victory. Nobody could stand against me. Um, and he said, there's sin in the camp. Go deal with it. And um, the reason that Christians also experience defeat in their lives is if they regard sin uh, rather than um, obedience to God. And, and that's throughout the Psalms. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And then later in the story of um, this is the Psalm 32 is in reference to, to David when he committed adultery and killed Uriah. He kept it a secret for a year. And during that time, um, it says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. And so David just experienced the heavy hand of God's discipline during that season in his life. And if you guys have ever done this in your life where you think that, you know, nobody saw what you did and you try and conceal or hide what you did, um, you know that it just weighs heavy on your heart. You really can't have freedom um, over that until you confess it and bring it to the light. Um, it's... So unconfessed sin will bring a defeat or defeat in general to us um, if we do not repent of it. So just like Joshua dealt with it in, um, in Israel, we also need to deal with it in our lives. We need to bring it to light and expose it for what it is. Um, okay, the next thing, uh, we'll, we'll talk about how did, uh, okay, sorry, 
the last, uh, to sum it all up, how after Dave, or sorry, after Joshua went before the Lord, he was just stricken with grief and uh, anguish. Um, the Lord told him to get up off his face and, and to deal with the sin. And it's the same with us. When we are grieved by sin, when we are in anguish for what we've done, um, we confess it, we bring it to the Lord, uh, we need to move on and we need to, to um, put it behind us and get up from where we have fallen down. So that's the key to, to victory is confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us. So to sum it all up, uh, Christians can and should be victorious uh, over sin in their lives and uh, over the devil. Um, so we, we should be having victory. If we aren't, we need to examine our own salvation. Um, and how we do this is not on our own strength. Uh, we do this by faith and obeying um, God's word. And when we experience defeat, we should be quick to repent and get up. And then we also need to know that our victory is in Christ. That's all I have. I'll pray. Dear Lord, uh, we do thank you for the victory that we have in you and that it is secure. Uh, we pray that we would live by faith and claim the promises that you have given to us, God, that we would live in freedom and victory over the flesh, over sin, um, and, and of the devil, God. We pray that um, you just give us your grace, and we pray that we'd give you all the glory. In this your name we pray. Amen.